Hi, everybody. Your captain here. Just wanted to give you a brief trigger warning that today we are going to be talking about some topics that may be upsetting to you. Um, we'll be discussing sexual assault and consent or lack of consent. If these are topics that you find particularly triggering, you might want to skip this up. If you are going to listen, be aware that you could be triggered and give yourself permission to pause the app at any time and take care of yourself. Thanks. Self, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Therapies. Its continuing mission to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. My shin. Ugh. Okay. All right. Try again. You can do this. You are James T. Kirk, and Will Riker has nothing on you. Yes, Will. I completely agree. That's a fabulous idea. Let's. Damn it. Will, I'm going to have to call you back, sir. What's going on? Are you all right? I'm fine. Get off me. I was just practicing. Your leg lifts. No. I was, uh, just... Wait, were you... Maybe. Captain, I... Let's just roll credits. We can talk about this later. Hi, everybody. I'm Justine Mastin, LMFT, Yogini, writer, researcher, and captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard. And I'm Larissa Garski, licensed marriage and family therapist, writer, researcher, Spockian first officer, and Will Riker's new best friend. <sighs> just a reminder to the listeners at home that... Just because we're therapists doesn't mean that we are your therapists. Unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. Now, Captain, why were you trying to straddle the comm chair? You know its structure is not conducive to that kind of approach. I just, oh, I just feel sad because you like Will Riker better than me. Oh, and I thought if I could just do the leg thing, then... But, sir, that's simply impossible. Yes, you're right. It was absurd of me to think anyone could replace me. No, I meant no one else can do the leg thing like Will Riker. Seriously, Spock, this has got to stop. You're hurting, like, 100% of my one feeling. Oh, well, I'm very sorry, Captain. It's true that no one could replace you. You are my platonic life partner. I just really enjoyed my time with Commander Riker at the... First officer summit, and well, to use an earthism, I think I developed a bit of a crush. Do you feel better now? I guess. What's so great about Will Riker, anyway? I mean, you've met him, right, sir? You've seen him go from facial hair to no facial hair, and still look equally amazing, right? I mean, and we've already established the way he sits in a chair. Yeah, I guess that's pretty cool. I mean, he's personable and fun-loving, and, and yes, you're that too, but I don't know. Will has a certain je ne sais quoi that just makes you feel seen and very, very interesting, even when maybe you're not all that interesting. But 
to be honest, I think the thing that I love the most about Will is the way that he is just such a champion of consent. Mm. What? Mm. You seem doubtful. Could you provide some evidence to back up that statement? Oh, I 100% could. But maybe before we go down this road, I imagine that most of our listeners know what we mean when we say consent. But just in case, would you like to offer a definition first, Captain? Yeah. So consent is when we are giving other people permission. We tend to think about this in terms of sex stuff, but it's not about that really. Consent is about anything. So Mm -hmm. if somebody asks us to hang out with them, they are asking for consent or permission or you're okay to have access to you and your time. Um, When we talk about consent in terms of our bodies, we're talking about, you know, if somebody puts hands on you without asking, they're touching you without consent. They're touching you without your permission, without your okay. Mm -hmm. And what I would say is uh, when we are looking for consent, we're not just looking for begrudging consent. No, no. Mm -hmm. For somebody to say, yeah, I guess it's okay if you touch me. No, we want enthusiastic consent. Yes, please touch me. (laughs) Yes. Or like, please hang out with me. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, a a lot is happening around consent right now. And I, I think for the most part, the fact that we are starting to have a large sort of en masse cultural dialogue about this feels like about time. Mm -hmm. And I would say in general, I find myself feeling glad that we are having this kind of conversation Um, Because again, you know, it's about time. And this is part of how we increase awareness and how things change as we get it out there and we start to name it, we start to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But as we're defining consent, I do want to make sure to throw in there that it feels like in the in the like in the sort of subcategory of when it comes to sexual consent, or flirtatious consent that there's been a lot of sort of talk about like, oh, it just kills the magic, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's just taking away the, not to overuse a phrase, but I'm going to do it again. It just takes away the joie de vivre of it, you know? Like, <laughs> there has to be chemistry. And, and like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push back on that so hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yes. Because it, it doesn't have to take anything away, Right. And we get, we all know when it, when, when we put something out there that someone is not into, mm-hmm. like to your point about enthusiastic consent, like there's a world of difference when like I go over, I don't know, and talk to my friend and I'm like, Hey, do you want to hang out? And she's like, um, maybe <laughs> what that's saying to me is my friend probably doesn't want to hang out. For a variety of reasons. Maybe it's that she doesn't want to hang out with me, but maybe it's that, you know, it's supposed to be really fucking cold this week and she needs to get home immediately and put on her like cozy, like cozy snuggies. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the invitation to me in that dialogue, especially if this is my friend and in this example, it is indeed my friend is to be like, oh, hey, yeah, like, no worries. We don't have to like what's you know like what's going on and create like a dialogue of conversation around what's happening and then Mm -hmm. i might learn that like maybe it's the cold weather maybe she broke her foot 
<laughs> that was just that was so out of left field. I didn't I didn't I didn't see that coming, but there it was. That's fair. Um, because sometimes dialogue dialogues about consent, they come at you from what feels like left field. But I think the more you continue the conversation, the more you're able to see that there's context here that makes sense. And consent is a way to just open it up and invite all of us as humans to raise our awareness just a bit and mindfully check in with each other. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, uh, well, and I mean, we, we really, we could do an entire episode that's specifically about consent, which I mean, this one has quite a lot of consent in it, but, um, but we reminding folks that we are coming from a place not of assumed consent because there there are lots of spheres where folks still think that we are operating from a place of assumed consent unless someone says no mm-hmm. and that's not how consent works um i see this a lot in my yoga teaching work is not not where I teach because I I teach my folks not do this shit. But you go to lots of yoga studios and the the idea is coming from a place of well if you're coming into my yoga studio there's implied consent that it's okay for me just to put my hands on you and give you a physical adjustment without asking you if it's okay. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and even those those yoga studios where you go in and they say, like the usual spiel where I go, which is, you know, a big box yoga studio mm-hmm. is some variation along the lines of, if you don't want to be touched, please raise your hand. Right. So which you're is opting also prob- out. Right. You're opting mm-hmm. out because, again, it goes back to the assumption is that, you know, normal folks are going to opt in. Mm-hmm. The majority is going to opt in. And, and it should never be like that with consent. Mm-hmm. We should not assume the answer is yes. We should assume the answer is no and be mm-hmm. excited about finding out if the answer might be yes. <laughs> well, I think be un- unattached to what the answer is. Oh, that might even look at that. See, the captain's inner yogi is coming out here. <laughs> well, because if um, if I'm offering someone a physical adjustment, which, spoiler alert, I rarely do that. Um, for That's true, folks. For these reasons, mm-hmm. um, because people who come to my classes are autonomous human beings who get to decide what to do with their minds and bodies, and it's not my place to ask them to do anything with their bodies they didn't ask me for. But anyway, um, I think not being attached to the outcome. Like, here is this thing that I would like to do. Like, let's use mm-hmm. the hanging out example. Here is this thing that I would like to do. I would like to hang out with this particular human. And I'm going to ask this particular human to hang out. And would would I like to? Obviously, or I wouldn't be asking. But Mm -hmm. am I going to be crushed if they say no? No, because I'm not coming from a space of, oh, they're totally going to want to. Coming Mm. from a space of, I'm, we're going to see. Right. I'm putting it out there and then we're going to see. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting that we're naming this kind of right out of the gate, because already I can see where perhaps, perhaps this is the stumbling block for my brand new crush, Will Riker. Because <laughs> um, I don't know if he comes from a place of neutrality mm-hmm. about kind of curiously exploring consent in all its forms. I think... 
he comes from that like hopeful place of you wanna because I wanna. <laughs> Which in and of itself could be construed as being a bit coercive. I mean, I'm not ready to go that far. Certainly not right now. Um, but I would say let's like put a pin in that thought because I yes I I see your face there and I you know I'm just gonna <laughs> there that you're not you're not like coming to this from neutrality either. You know, you're fresh <laughs> off feeling a little threatened by our friend, yours and mine, Will Riker. Um, but, but nonetheless, let's put a pin in that and, and return to it. All right. All right. All right. Yeah, no, I know. Thank you. You're a, you're a gracious human. A gentleman and a scholar. Right. Yes. Um, but getting back to the man at hand, I have some examples of him being so great about consent. Would you like to hear them? I thank you for asking for my consent. <laughs> I, um, I, I am consenting to hear your explanations. I am gathering all the enthusiasm I can handle for one will raker. Wonderful. I really appreciate you putting forth this effort, sir. <laughs> um, example one. I'm going to, you know, I like to move in semi-chronological order here. So we're going to go with season two, ep 10, an episode called The Dauphin. That's a dolphin? The Dauphin. Come on, you know French. It's like the... That's not a dolphin? It's not a a dolphin. I don't know what dolphin is in French. Uh, Folks at home, (laughs) if you know what dolphin is in French, please do hit us up on our various social media platforms. Uh, Twitter or Facebook might be the best for this. But you know what? Instagram works too. Um, Because I don't know how to say dolphin in French, but my understanding is that the dauphin, it's it's like like the heir apparent... So, like, the young prince who will one day be uh-huh. empress, if you will. And this works in this ep because really most of the episode is about Wesley and Wesley learning how to sex. Um, and I, I do mean that literally. Like, that's, that's what it's really about. Um, and he falls in love with this gender non-binary alien. Which I'm sure all of you are thinking, are like, wow, that's great. Just a good example of, of Star Trek Next Gen being really sort of forward thinking. Um... And I thought that too. And then I watched the whole episode again. And and you really start to see the limitations of this ep being made in the 1990s. Because even though this alien is, um, for in reality, sort of like gender non-binary, this like entity more than anything else, it's like it's shape-shifty. They have another term for it, but I'm going to go with shape-shifty here. Um, it is portrayed throughout the episode, save for the last maybe 30 seconds as a young teenage woman nope fair um (laughs) but this is episode is not about wesley played by the legendary will wheaton um also i would just like to do a very brief aside um and it's not Mm -hmm. that i wasn't listening to you because i was but i was also (laughs) googling dauphin um Mm -hmm. and i would like you to know that um not only does Dauphin mean the heir apparent to the throne, he also had a dolphin on his coat. And that's why, so... Uh, so a dolphin dolphin? Yeah, so Guy VIII, Count wow. of Vienne, had a dolphin on his coat of arms and had been nicknamed Le Dauphin, French for dolphin. 
Well, I stand corrected, and the captain is the master and commander of the French language here in the Starship Therapies. Whew, I, I just, I needed to be right about something, and so I feel... <laughs> right. <laughs> I feel right, and that feels right. Please continue. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, it's fine that you mish my spiel about Wesley, because the focus of this episode is on one Will Riker. Um, and he comes up in this episode because Wesley obviously goes to Will because he needs to learn how to flirt, right? He needs to learn how it's done. How do you romance someone? I, I guess that's how you would go to. You wouldn't go to, say, uh, Worf. No. Well, actually, he does go to Worf first, which is ridiculous, and clearly they're playing for laughs. And what Worf <laughs> does is he tries to simulate the, as he puts it, Klingon female's mating call. Oh, no. <laughs> That is how the Klingon lures a mate. But, so, Wesley, I don't know why he goes to war first. Maybe he's on the bridge. It's proximity. Who knows? But he finally gets it together, and he goes to see Riker. And what follows is this beautiful sort of back and forth between Riker and Guinan, um, whom he asks to kind of romantic spar with him. And she is so in it folks at home for those of you who have not rewatched this episode in a while um that like wesley attempts to interrupt them he's like hey guys this is i don't think this is gonna work for me i don't think this is my style like you guys are doing some weird shakespeare thing dreams can be dangerous not these dreams i dream of a galaxy where your eyes are the stars and the universe worships the night and <laughs> guinan like whips her headed in and is like shut up wesley shut up kid and then she and Riker just go back to this like beautiful romantic banter that they're both consenting to. He checks with her. It's just it's just a really nice example of Will Riker, man of consent. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So maybe maybe you are not into this or not fully convinced by this example. You can't see the captain's face, folks at home, but I can, and she's not super convinced. Um so I'm gonna direct your attention to Season three, episode nine, The Vengeance Factor. And on the TNG wiki, this is one of the canonical episodes that is cited when we're talking about Will Riker and his, hmm, how should I say it? Consent fetish? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> J'accuse. All right. You can jacuse in just a second. Let me, let's like run through the scene and then you can just jacuse your way all the way through. I did not expect this episode to be so French, but it's, you know, We never nice. do. We never do it. The French just happens, guys. Maybe one day we'll shoot a live podcast in France. Oh, yeah. I like that idea. May we? Yeah, that'd be great. So let's see. So Vengeance Factor, season three, episode nine. Setup is Will falls for this new hot alien who seems to present as a woman. I, I don't know why I'm saying seems to. They do present as a woman and I think has chosen that particular gender as well. So we'll use she pronouns. Um, and so like he's really into her. She seems to be sort of into him. And so she comes to his quarters unannounced. Ooh. And right, unannounced. So like Will's like, oh, okay, I'm going to get excited. This seems like you're here to check for my consent. Um, and, and she starts to, but her language around it is a bit odd. Tell me what you want, William. 
And we'll do anything you wish. Wait a minute. Um, yeah, she's talking about, like, this is what you want. Do you want this? Am I not to your liking? Mm. Lots of subservient tones that seem to really reinforce the power dynamic of Will being above and in a higher position of power than her. And this makes it pretty clear that, like, Will is not down for those kinds of power dynamics, right? Like, he wants... He's into consent. He's into equals. I told you I prefer equals. And I just really think that that is a mic drop moment, right, sir? I mean, we can't argue anymore about this. Will Riker is the man of consent. Mm-hmm. I, I know that you are really, really in love with uh, your new best friend. Um, Mm-hmm. And I, I'm guessing that you spent a lot of together time during the second officer's retreat, um, whatever. But <laughs> I can't help but think of mm, a few things. I mean, the uh, the one that comes to my mind right now is the fact that you used the phrase consent fetish, which anytime we're talking about a fetish, that's a thing that while it's very exciting, mm-hmm. is not required. If one is quite excited by shoes and has a, quote, shoe fetish, they likely can become aroused in other ways. <laughs> but they prefer the shoe way. But they do prefer the shoe way. So that would imply that Riker prefers consent, but meh. Going along with what you're saying here about fetishism. <laughs> it's reminding me of that thing that we were going to like put a pin in. Do you remember that thing? And now it's time to take the pin out. Okay. Because um, we were talking about different ways, baseline approaches when it comes to consent. Mm-hmm. And I was making the point that like maybe our baseline should be that people are going to say no. Mm-hmm. And then you should be checking for yes. And you were like, no, no. I'm going to stop you right there, Spock. Um, Really, we want people to be coming from a place of neutrality. Mm -hmm. That I think that even the MRAs, by which I mean the men's rights activists, I think even they could agree that Will Riker comes from a place of, yes, I am ready for consent, and I hope you're ready too. Are you? Mm-hmm. Which is not neutrality. It's it's not right. What we put a pin in was I what I had said is that I thought certain enthusiasm when Mm -hmm. asking for consent could potentially feel coercive. Yes. And this definitely takes center stage in season three, episode 14, A Matter of Perspective. Mm -hmm. For those of you who have not seen this up. And or for those of you who saw it perhaps many moons ago, we're going to do like a quick recap here. So Will Riker goes to this science station where Dr. Apgar and his lovely wife, Manua, have been living, not living, living. Mm -hmm. Um, And he has been working on, I believe, a new energy source. Does that sound right? Yes, that is correct. And so he's going to go down there just to, like, check in and see what Dr. Apgar has been up to, have some chats, um, 
sounds like Dr. Apgar's research is promising. So it's supposed to basically be a formality. But when Will Riker lands and the ep begins kind of in the aftermath of his visit, when the space station gets blown up and Dr. Apgar is dead and everyone's like, oh, no, how did this happen? And a special investigator is sent in who reminded me a little bit of um, Kenneth Starr during the Clinton <laughs> period. <laughs> um, that's not the vibe I got, but... Um, I'm, I'm rolling. I'm rolling with it. Yeah, you're you, very much to your credit there, sir. Um, mm-hmm. So this guy shows up, alien Kenneth Star, if you will. And he thinks that he very much be- seems to believe, or is at the very least concerned, that Will Riker is involved in the blow up of the space station and thus the death of Dr. Apgar. And what ensues is a series of interviews from those who were involved that are depicted in real time using the wonders of the holodeck. Thank you, holodeck. Thank you, holodeck. You give us so much. You're not just for pretending to be Hawaii. No, nor are you just for those episodes when TNG was like, let's pretend we're in the Wild West. (laughs) or our producer's favorite um let's pretend we're meeting mark twain oh oh i i i liked uh when we did sherlock holmesy things i really enjoyed that our producer super did not uh, no he has very strong feelings about the use of the holodeck to do anything related to space or time travel even it's even if it's from like a fantasy perspective But going back to the holodeck, so we get to see everyone's version of the events that take place on the science station that took place roughly like a couple days prior to the timeline of this episode. Um, We get to see them play out again in present time via the wonders of the holodeck. And this is where things start to get super problematic. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, oh, Oh, man, there's so much happening. Um, Okay, so they're recreating the events, including perfectly recreating the the station or Mm -hmm. the vessel, um, because the holodeck can do that. Right. So we're seeing the series of events through each person's eyes or from their perspective, hence a matter of perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, those old apps were nothing if not well titled. Yep, yep. They were like, "Do you want to know what this thing is about? It is about this." Mm-hmm. Done. Dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> so we see things from Riker's perspective, which is all very, very serious business. I'm a very serious first Starfleet officer. officer, and I did nothing wrong, and I was, I was just just following protocol, and and Manua, Doctor Apgar's um, wife, she was just she was giving me come hither eyes. Oh, she was. Why, this is new information. Interesting. Yeah. So somewhere along the line, we stopped. I mean, we were always investigating Riker possibly having murdered Dr. Apgar. Mm -hmm. But somewhere along the way, we discover this strange sub-narrative in which there was some sort of something happening between Riker and Manua. Or was there? From 
from Riker's perspective, she was all giving him the come hither eyes and putting non-consensual hands on him and offering him alcohol and inviting him to spend the night, even though he had a perfectly good place to stay somewhere else. They were going to beam somewhere because the uh, the Enterprise was off doing something. Um, I think it was actually circling in orbit. So I think he could have just beamed back to the ship. Or maybe I'm remembering that wrong. I'm remembering that wrong? Yeah, because uh, they... Uh, Dr. Apgar said something like, they just left you here? And... Uh, okay, sure, yeah. sure, sure. Because Riker and Jordy were both there. Dr. Apgar, depending upon the version, Dr. Apgar invites him to stay or Manua invites them to stay. Regardless, Riker stays the night mm-hmm. and Manua ends up in his nighttime quarters. Correct. Yes. And in in Riker's version of events, he's like, OK, thank you for showing me to my quarters. Please be gone. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, no, let me show you how all these controls work. And then she's like, oops, I closed the door. And, and then she's like, let me take off my wrap. Yeah. And she takes off her outer layer because she's wearing multiple layers in her version or in his version. Um, and then Dr. Apgar walks in and is like, I knew you'd be throwing yourself at him because that's just the kind of woman you are. Um it's mm-hmm. so much problematic. Um, so that's that's Riker's version of events, which, uh, I mean, if if we believe Riker, mm-hmm. then then Riker had some non-consensual hands on him, and that is not okay. Right. But this is not the only story that we hear. Mm-mm. We also get uh, the story of Dr. Apgar's assistant, who reports back what she said Dr. Apgar told her. So it's not really a first-hand account, and so then Picard yeah. tries to get it thrown out. Um, but the middle one, the middle version that we get, is the one from mm-hmm. Manua, because we get Riker, Manua, and then Dr. Apgar's assistant. Mm-hmm. And Manua's version of events um, are pretty they are pretty troubling, um, mm-hmm. to say the least. I mean, you you certainly see that there's some back and forth between her and Riker in the beginning when they're first uh, hearing from Dr. Apgar about Krieger waves and congratulating him on his successful creation slash isolation of them. Um, But in Manu's version, it's Riker who's initiating Mm -hmm. those gazes. And she is the one who's responding. And I think, and this kind of brings me back to something that you had said earlier, earlier that we had initially put opinion, opinion, which is that um, when you are so excited about the prospect of consent mm-hmm. and that which can follow, as Riker often is, could you misread a situation based on mm-hmm. your own perspective? And then might not your behavior that would follow feel like coercion yeah and here's the thing that perspective or interpretation would have worked in this app if it had stopped with the whole awkward drink situation and potentially if their their exchange in riker's nighttime quarters hadn't been as physical 
as it's portrayed as being, right? But once we get into the nighttime quarters and in Riker's version, Manu is putting non-consensual hands on him. And in Manu's version, um, it's, of course, the reverse. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't think that we can go with the perspective argument here anymore. Things are getting a little too concrete for that. Right, because uh, for folks who haven't watched this, Manua's memory is that uh, Riker was not only putting non-consensual hands on her, but forcibly removed her outer layer mm-hmm. and uh, went in to, to kiss her, was, was like f- forcefully holding her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was saying, she was saying no. Right. In, uh, I don't know exactly the word she used, but she was clearly saying no. She was not giving consent. No. Um, and then Dr. Apgar comes in and is like, I knew you would do this, you rogue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that Will Riker throws a punch. Yes. <laughs> and I think in Manu's version... Dr. Apgar is not able to overpower Will, whereas in the assistance version of what Dr. Apgar said, Dr. Apgar is able to overpower Will. Uh, right. And then Will says, I'm going to kill you. Right. In Dr. Apgar's <laughs> version, which is relayed by the assistant, which, and I think Picard makes a fair point here where he's like, this is hearsay. Um, and then uh, the, the, the alien investigator also known as Alien Kenistar, is like, well, but Dr. Edgar <laughs> is not here, and what can we do? Um, so they let it, they let it happen. They, they, it's, mm-hmm. it's admissible, if you will. But what continues to be disturbing in the aftermath of this app, I think on further reflection, and frankly at the time that both of us rewatched it, is the way that the show resolves this matter yeah. of, of non-consensual... Uh, sexual action on the part of Will Riker is that once um... uh, Jordy and Data and uh, Will Wheaton are the ones on the case. There we go. Because Jordy and Data and Will Wheaton are on the case and they are able to prove using the powers of science um, mm-hmm. that Will Riker did not kill Dr. Apgar. Dr. Apgar accidentally killed himself because he was in fact creating a weapon of mass destruction. Um, did I mean to tie in the, some major political movements in, <laughs> that occurred in the, the mid to late 90s and then the early aughts? No, friends, I didn't, but it happened organically <laughs> via the power of narrative. <laughs> so yeah, so the episode wraps and everyone's like, oh, thank God, Will's not a murderer. We always knew that you weren't a killer, Will. Um, and that's it. Right. Right. We we do not, because uh, Commander Riker was not on trial for sexual misconduct. Mm-hmm. He was on trial for murder. Right. Once he's cleared of murder, well, that's just it. The, the case is done. Mm-hmm. And we do not get an answer to whether or not he has to answer for these actions and the thing that was most bothersome to me um well there were lots of bothersome things but the thing that was so resonant as we're talking about the me too movement and you know things that are going on today is 
Commander Riker is basically this like celebrity of Starfleet. Yes. And and nobody believes that he would ever do anything untoward. Mm-hmm. They know about his consent fetish and they're like he would never. And uh Deanna Counselor Troy is like, well, I know you. You don't have to convince me of anything. We can't both be telling the truth. It is the truth, as each of you remembers it. Yeah. Um, It is the truth, as each of you remembers it, is so problematic. Like, it's in some ways, sure, Deanna, sure. But also... This was such an opportunity for Star Trek TNG. To, they they were always they were always leading the charge. Star Trek is always leading the charge of social movements. Mm-hmm. And this, God, what a missed opportunity! Like heightening awareness, you know, getting out there. I mean, Star Trek, the OG version, put the first black woman on the bridge. And first right? interracial kiss on television. First interracial interracial kiss on television. Mm-hmm. Um, TNG continued that. We have Worf, who I think we all agree is a national treasure. <laughs> um, and we have, you know, we have a couple different uh, folks who both seem to identify and present as women who grace the bridge. But I think most notably, Counselor Deanna Troy herself right and not Mm -hmm. only is that a big deal but it's all like because she you know is a woman um but it's it's an extra big deal because she is the representative of emotions and emotional intelligence and emotional awareness and back Mm -hmm. when this debuted that was huge people were not really attempting to give voice to the importance of emotions in the way that i think we're doing more of now right and this was an opportunity to do a couple of things. First and foremost, to, you know, go a little deeper with Deanna's abilities. Because, sure, I get it. She's not a telepath. Mm-hmm. She doesn't right. ha- but she doesn't have to be here, right? Mm-hmm. She could be giving us so much more information about the emotional nuances of Will Riker's, not just his recollection, but his emotional reaction to seeing all three variations play out. Mm-hmm. And the same for Manua, right? Like, what's going on for Manua? Is she having a trauma response? Uh, a- according to the way she looks when you see her, she, I, I'm not sure what they wanted us to think was going on. Because she does seem disturbed to be near Riker. Mm-hmm. Um, and she seems, you know, quite upset. But also, at the end of the ep, when he gets cleared of the murder, she's just sort of sitting there like, okay, I guess you didn't kill my husband. Yeah, like, all is forgiven. He just He was just, you know, putting together weapons of mass destruction because he wanted to make a good life for me. (laughs) Right. You're still sitting next to the dude who put hands on you. Right. Are we not upset that he still did that, even though he was cleared of the murder? It's very confusing. It is. And perhaps the writers would argue, well, that's an indication that that um, it wasn't as bad as she remembered. Mm. 
Mm. Um, and here's the thing. I don't think that you can throw down what this ep throws down in its depiction of non-consensual hands and sexual assault and end it the way it ended it. Right. You just, you can't do that. And you can't have Counselor Troy be like, I don't know, it's just the truth the way you remember it. Because sure, does that, does that feel accurate? Yeah. And you need a little bit more. And by a little bit, I mean a lot more. Yeah. So uh, I I agree with you. This uh, It was amazing that during this time we had Deanna Troy on the bridge. We had emotions front and center. Mm-hmm. We're saying that emotional intelligence is just as important as knowing how to fly a fucking spaceship. So like that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Deanna is just like, yeah, you have different points of view. Where we could have taken this was, yeah, you guys, you see things differently. That makes sense. I also notice you're having a big reaction to this. Mm-hmm. And what's that about for you? Right. And you like, know, Will, are you becoming defensive? Mm-hmm. Is Deanna getting more kind of aggressive emotional energy from him? Is there mm-hmm. anger? Is there frustration? Is there confusion? maybe linked to a realization that there was a misunderstanding or a misreading of this scenario, mm-hmm. you know? And from Manua, yeah, is she picking up, you know, fight or flight emotional impulses from her? Mm-hmm. Um, is she is she being re-traumatized by watching the depiction of and non-consensual having hands to... and having to sit, sit next to Riker? Like, what happens for her? What happens to fear when she sits mm-hmm. down next to him? These are all things that, you know... Counselor Troy, as a Betazoid, um, would be able to pick up on. And the mm-hmm. fact that the writers don't go there, it's disappointing from just kind of an artistic perspective. Mm-hmm. But I think it goes deeper than that, because this was an opportunity well before the Me Too movement, because this ep, yeah, this ep way precedes the movement at this point. But in typical Star Trek fashion, you know, it, it very much, it could have really hinted at it, right? If you use mm-hmm. Will Riker to talk about the ways that we sometimes misread consent, that we sometimes let our emotions override um, things that are happening in our prefrontal cortex, which is to say our kind of more fact-based cognitive processing centers. If we use Will Riker as an example to show that like even somebody who usually is really into consent makes a mistake mm-hmm. and one that's really not okay. And that, yeah, maybe his genuine perspective is that that's not what happened, that Manua was into it too, maybe even more, more into it than he was, that that's still emotional truth is not the same as the facts of a situation. Mm-hmm. And this does happen to people, both to men, women, and gender non-binary folks. And what a, what a great way to explore that with will Riker, like i don't think this hap this would have had to kind of tarnish his reputation if you will or diminish the fact that most of the time he's really down for consent i think it could have added nuance and complexity because sometimes there is confused consent people don't understand the importance of the enthusiastic consent and i think having this conversation and saying 
wow, I really thought we were both excited about this and I had no idea and making amends and, Mm -hmm. and doing things differently and owning your shit. So bringing this stuff out in the open and talking about it, it would have been a huge deal. I mean, at the time it was the nineties, these conversations were not being had the way that they are now. Mm -mm. It would have been a revolutionary thing for young folks to see. Right. And this was a show that was for not just adults, but for young folks. Um, Mm -hmm. It reminds me a bit of the way, you know, Doctor Who has existed in various permutations throughout the decades and very much exists now where it is, I think for, you know, in many ways, like a family friendly show and Star Trek TNG definitely was. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's part of why all of us here at the Starship Therapies remember watching it as a child and think back fondly to those times. And yeah, I mean, what a powerful thing for the gender yet to be self-determined youngsters out there <laughs> mm-hmm. to watch this show and look at Will Riker, who absolutely is a cool guy. Oh, everybody loves Riker. And as an aside, mm-hmm. um, I have a very special relationship with Will Riker. Um, well, not the character with, um, with Jonathan Frakes. Sure. Um, I don't know if you know this, um, but he is from Belfont, Pennsylvania, and that is from one town over from where I was born, State College, Pennsylvania. And Belfont doesn't have a lot of claims to fame. But it has Jonathan Frakes. But it has Jonathan Frakes. And we're very <laughs> proud of that. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And as you should be. And... This could have, I think this could have really expanded and deepened that pride to see Will Riker grow and learn from this and frankly, make restitution, make amends. Because I think what we can very clearly say is that things, things do not, things are not solid for Manua. All right. Her husband is dead. Life Mm -hmm. as she knows it is over. And from her perspective, she suffered the, you know, being physically violated Mm -hmm. and that that situation in part contributed to the death of her husband i mean this is someone who's really suffering here and again the fact that this episode positions itself at the end to be like oh good will's will's great good to go let's just walk away it the more you look at it i think the ickier as a viewer you start to feel um because the victim here wasn't will Riker. no it, he was not the victim. And all at every beat of this app is really trying to prove the point that he's the victim here. And the thing of it is, he's not. He is a problematic perpetrator. Did he do it on purpose? No. But just because you didn't purposely intend to hurt someone doesn't change the fact that you hurt them. Right. And once you gain awareness about what you did and the full ramifications of your deed... It It is then your job. It is your responsibility to find a way to make amends and, and thereby grow as a human being. Um, and I know something we've been recently talking about in direct connection to Star Trek is that really every show in the Pantheon, um, even those that maybe like you or I don't love as much as some of the others, <laughs> they all kind of follow this central tenet of let's aspire to be 
not just the best individual self I can be, but let's aspire to be like the best race of sentient beings that we can be. Yes. Yes. And I do not believe that Captain Picard could not see what was happening here. Like, and like, I know my brain knows that this is due to shoddy 1990s writing. Mm -hmm. My heart doesn't know that. My heart says, what the fuck, Jean-Luc? Like, (laughs) yeah, you're a Star Trek dad. Okay. (laughs) James T. Kirk is our fun loving uncle. But you are our dad. And and damn it, we expect better from you. And most of the time, he delivers. And yeah, this is, I, I think everybody just, all the characters show up so, so shoddily in this app. Like, it's not, it's not a good turn for anybody. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. Like, I, I understand that when you, that one, when, <clears throat> I understand that when one cares for someone and they are accused of doing something heinous, the first response is denial. No, that can't be true. Get that away Mm -hmm. from me. I don't believe it. Right. Sure. That's a common reaction. But you sit with it for a minute and you see this other person suffering. And if you are Captain Picard, who is trained in the skill of... (laughs) <laughs> uh negotiating is not the word i want uh he's a i mean he's everyone's favorite star trek lawyer right like we all love like like he gets so fired up when he gets the chance to like be be the trek lawyer within himself um mm-hmm. and and those episodes are at their greatest when he is really exploring the issues of ethics and Mm -hmm. legality and emotional truth versus factual truth right like Mm -hmm. again this was a missed opportunity for all of our main characters captain picard included because Mm -hmm. there could have been a great scene between the captain and will where they sit down together because like you know Captain Picard is Will's dad, too. This is a... (laughs) Like, duh, everyone. Um, So they sit down um, in his ready room, and, and, you know, he says something that he's like, like, you know, Will, you know, I I love you, and I trust you, and and I trust you with this ship, you know, implicitly, but we need to take a look at this. Mm -hmm. And levels with him. And, and, and I think Will, like, that would, that would absolutely connect with him. And I think he kind of would drop a lot of this, like, I don't know, like, cock blockery bullshit that he does with Deanna in that mm-hmm. scene that we quoted here. Um, and he'd be like, yeah, sir, like, I, I don't know what to do. It's really not how I saw it. And, and I think the captain would challenge him on it and be like, okay, but I need you to look at this from a different perspective because we've heard the counselor's thoughts and she's made it really clear that there's real trauma happening for this woman. Maybe mm-hmm. can you look at it again? I'm not saying you're a murderer. The only mm-hmm. one who's saying that is weird alien Kenneth Starr, and we know that he's <laughs> full of it. <laughs> but we need to. But we also need to look at the, the this other thing that happened here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't believe that you are a bad person. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that you meant cruel intent. However, here's. However, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, but however harm 
you caused harm. Right. And just because you did a bad thing doesn't make you a bad person. But just because you're not a bad person doesn't mean that you can't do a bad thing. Yeah. And clearly, Will Riker did an immoral thing here. Mm-hmm. And you have to atone for that. You have to face it. And you have to atone for it. Um, and probably what kept the writers from really wanting to reckon with that. And I think, frankly, what shows up, what shows up a lot in the Me Too movement as well is this idea that like, oh, but these people, they did, they did bad things. And this is my friend or my brother or my father or some other male relative. My mentor, like, I trust this person. I like this person, maybe. Like, I don't want to see them in this way. And totally fair. And here's the thing. We as human beings contain multitudes. It's rare that we are any one thing. And it's also rare that we're defined by any one act. And also, what mm-hmm. we do defines who we are. Um, and we are all really challenged to face these things now and to look internally inside of ourselves and things we've done in the past and are doing right now. And also to look to the people that we're close to and have these difficult conversations, you know, have the conversation that Jean-Luc did not have with Mm -hmm. Will Riker, but that really needed to happen because you get to say in those kinds of dialogues, like I still care about you. Maybe I still love you. Maybe I still trust you. And also really the facts point to you having done a thing that is quite objectionable and you need to look at that friend and you need Mm -hmm. to make amends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whether that means with the the person whom you harmed, if that would not cause additional harm, Mm -hmm. that might mean you need to make amends to society by which in our society, that means you do jail time. And, and that doesn't mean that everything is okay then. Right. That's, and I hope that's, that's not what it sounds like we're saying. Um, the, no, what we're saying is that it takes a long time to heal from pain and from trauma. Mm-hmm. And in this particular case with Will Riker, I think it makes a lot of sense that it would take Manua first and foremost, some real time. And that it would take Will Riker some real time, too, to reflect on who he thought he was Mm. and the ways that that really conflicted to what he did and where to go from there. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I'm sure many of you have already kind of picked up on, these are the kinds of these are the kinds of experiences and the kinds of questions that really need outside supports. Right. Mm -hmm. So. um as much as Will let himself and, and everybody else down in this episode, and he 100% did, um, the captain also let him down. And Deanna Troy let him down. And all, of course, all three of them let Manua down. Frankly, mm-hmm. the Kenistar alien did as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so when these kinds of things happen in the real world, whether you are the Will Riker in the situation or you are the Manu in the situation, you're going to need some help. Mm-hmm. And you deserve to get that help. And what I want to be really clear about is that, like, at no point does Manua owe Will um, 
forgiveness. No. She does not owe him space to plead his case. Mm -hmm. She gets to ask for what she needs to heal and mourn many mm -hmm. things, not the least of which is the sudden death of her husband. Mm -hmm. And Will gets to figure out how does he become a better human through this and how to make restitution. And these are the kinds of things that I think for both of these folks would need would need supports. And I'm talking about psychotherapy. I think for Will, probably group therapy, frankly, probably for Manua as well. Um, and supportive friends and family who, for Will, are going to hold him accountable. And for Manua, just be really supportive for her and give her space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it might be useful for each of them, Will and Manua, to begin to understand the other person's perspective, begin to understand where the other person is coming from. Um, if you're a regular listener, you know what I'm going to say next, which is that that understanding does not excuse anyone's behavior. Mm -hmm. It can just help you make sense of it. So if if having some understanding of, of how Will became the way that he is helped Manua in her healing, then it's useful. Mm -hmm. and that doesn't excuse what happened, but it can it can help her to make sense of it and maybe find some peace. Whether or not she decides to forgive him or not, that's her choice. But finding some peace within herself and, and some understanding of, okay, here's here's how and why Will showed up in this way. And, and how am I going to sit with that? Again, not because this is in service to necessarily forgiveness to Will, mm -hmm. but because this is in service to her and her yes. own growth and her own healing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is, this is complicated and nuanced. Yes. And there, I mean, there's a whole other realm of power dynamics that we didn't even really go down. No. Because uh, that's, that's kind of a whole other conversation. Um, and probably one we'll have, but not one that we were going to have on this particular episode. Right. We've already dropped a lot of heavy stuff on you. <laughs> yes. Yes, we have. Um, and so, folks, I, I do want to kind of go there with the captain and naming that this was this was a heavier episode mm -hmm. um and i think often we like to kind of mix the heavy with the mirthful um but it's hard to do that with this particular topic and it's 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 hard to do that with this particular fandom depiction mm -hmm. um and yeah. to and to end with a sense of lightness i feel like would be to risk kind of minimizing some of the serious things we talked about today so i don't want to do that um, what I want to say is like, for those, for those folks who listened to the trigger warning at the top of the app and decided I'm going to listen anyway, even if this brought up stuff for me, I would encourage you to really take this moment right now to check in with you, um, kind of check in with less about cognitions or thoughts and more about kind of how am I feeling in my body? what's going on for me there and kind of do some of that body scan. And if you are finding that it's hard to even do that, to pay attention to what's happening in your body, that's probably a good indicator that this, this has brought up some stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're really going to encourage you to get the support that you need. So reach out to a trusted friend, maybe find a furry friend like a cat or a dog or a rabbit and, and be with them. Um, if you have a psychotherapist, whether they're us or someone else, you know, reach out to them. Mm-hmm. Um, this yeah. may seem like a bit of a pivot, but weighted blankets can be very soothing at times like these. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Turn, turn to your self-care toolkit, mm-hmm. Ar- aromatherapy, worry stones, weighted blankets, hot baths. Oh, those things that help you feel present, sensory things. Mm-hmm. Present and safe. And that bring mm-hmm. you back to the now, which is that you are safe. And if you're not safe right now, know that you deserve to be safe. Mm. That was beautifully said. Thank you. (laughs) So what are some things that our friends at home can Google if they're interested in getting some more information about the stuff that we talked about today? Yeah. So I think great Googleable terms are going to be the Me Too movement, Mm -hmm. consent, power dynamics, And Mm -hmm. while this is the first time that we are mentioning it directly, I still think this is worth the Google uh, feminist therapy and the Mm. feminist critique. And Mm -hmm. why am I saying that? I'm saying that because um, in the early, early years of psychotherapy, this I'm sure will shock many of you, not at all. There was not a lot of input from folks who are not white dudes. Mm -hmm. Um, And so one of the things that the feminist lens several decades later really brought to the fore um, was was the kind of theory of power dynamics mm-hmm. and looking at the ways that things like consent um, maybe did not have a voice in the first, you know, years of psychotherapy. It also, I think, brought to light the ways that, you know, early psychotherapists who did identify as women ended up being silenced. Their work was often marginalized, all of which is, I think, really sort of prescient to what we've talked about today. Mm -hmm. And worthy of its own episode. Yes. In the future. Mm -hmm. All good things. We may be at the helm of the ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duffy, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens, a true champion of consent. Tune in for our next app on homeostasis with the vampire. And be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the very best way you can help support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and especially review us on iTunes. And be sure to tell your friends. And as always, friends, live Live long long and and prosper. prosper.